Hello and welcome to Automators. My name is Rosemary Orchard and as always, I'm joined by my co-host David Sparks. Hey David, how are you today? I'm great, Rosemary. Today we're talking about one of my favorite things about automation and that's capture. I feel like that is something that all automators need to think about. Yes, absolutely. Because I mean, let's be honest, most people are into the automation for the productivity side of things, whether it's just not having to do work or then having less work to do or having your work done perfectly every time. You know, there there's a whole bunch of reasons why we do it, but it it pretty much boils down to A, having fun and B, being productive. And I think good capture is a great part of being productive. Yeah, I mean, not only that, I feel like capture is for a lot of people the most frequent point of failure. You know, the, uh, you know, I mean, you talk to somebody on the phone or you get an email or you think of something when you wake up in the morning and it's something you really need to work on. Like I just did that on Friday. I had a, a call with a client and I said, oh yeah, I'll make, I'll make a contract for you that does X, Y, and Z. And then as soon as I hung up, um, there was something with the family and I had to run out the door. And then I woke up Monday morning thinking, you know what? I never captured that thing on Friday. And mm-hmm. it was just. I was lucky because if I hadn't remembered, I totally would have dropped the ball on it. And I think for a lot of us, that's something we do frequently. And if you can bring automation tools to bear, maybe that can help you avoid dropping the ball. And that's what we're all about today. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, while we're talking about automated capture, I think we really need to start with what do we actually capture and what do we need to capture? Um, Because there are so many different things. One of the things that I captured yesterday was the interior dimensions of a cupboard. Because I needed to buy a basket that fits in the cupboard so that when I opened the cupboard, not everything would just fly out. Um, I, I've got some snacks and stuff in there and in like those uh, inflated packages. So every time I opened the cupboard, it was kind of like, you know, confetti cannon. Yeah. Um, and these things <laughs> were just flying across my kitchen. So it's like, like okay, I, I need a basket. So A, I need to buy a basket, but I need the dimensions for this. Um, and so I captured that. Um, and there's all sorts of things that we need to capture. So I was wondering, before we we dive too deep into this, let's, get, let's give our automators, uh, listeners, a bit of a background. What kind of things do you capture? Uh, Like you, everything. I mean, just like I was mentioning earlier, thoughts are an important capture because my brain is always like cooking in the background on ideas. Mm -hmm. And if I don't write them down, I lose them. Um, So that's that's important. You know, we've talked often on the show about tasks. I mean, right. You've got to capture those right as soon as they occur to you. Uh, What are some of your favorite things? Well, I mean, as well as thoughts and tasks, I also um, just, you know, anything that seems like it might be important. Um, and I I like to do this simply because uh, I can then go through it and process. Um, I mean, both you and I are followers of GTD, so there's capture and then there's actually, you know, the processing, which you do later. And I do try to do those separately. It's very tempting to just do it all together and be like, okay, so this is a task, so I'm going to capture this and put it in OmniFocus, which is... Um, you know, something I'm I'm now trying to avoid doing. Um, but um, I just try to capture anything that seems like it might be important. So I was on the phone with my mom earlier today. She was giving me some instructions for how she prefers to cook roast beef, which is not the same as the instructions on the packaging. Um, and I captured that. Um, I wrote it down. Um, and so and that could be a task. And in fact, it is because I've got some roast beef or some beef that I need to roast. Um, but it's also reference material and things like that. Um, and then, you know, I, I also just, you know, captured things like, you know, images of something that makes me that reminds me, you know, of, of things to do. Um, 
So, uh, yeah. So I've been capturing a lot recently. <laughs> well, well, something you just said that I think really resonates is um, the the reason for capture. I mean, there, there's two primary reasons in my head, at least. Uh, the first one is capture for the purpose of action. You know, you've got a task you need to act on. You've got a promise you need to fulfill. You know, there's things you need to do. You need to act on them. And if you don't capture them into mm -hmm. the trusted system, to use David Allen's parlance, you're going to lose them. But I think an equally important uh, purpose for capture is reference, you know, like mom's recipe for roast beef or like just recently we've got this odd color yellow in our, in one of our rooms. Mm -hmm. Daisy picked it out while I was at work one day. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but I love her very much and yellow is fine. But uh, anytime I want to get paint to like touch up the room, um, I have captured the formula for that color yellow, you know, and yeah. So when I go to the, the hardware store, I can say this is the formula. Please give me some more of this paint. But that's a reference. Uh, reference yeah. capture for me is almost bigger than action capture. Uh, uh, like because I'm a lawyer, I capture a lot of discussions and ideas and thoughts I have with clients on strategizing and. And doing projects for clients, and that's really reference more than it's action. Mm -hmm. But I need to capture it because I need to be able to reference it later. Um, the um, journal entry notes are another good one. You know, I want to put stuff in my journal. And I want to have reference to it. Um, like you, uh, you probably referenced or reference captured the dimensions of your cupboard when you opened it up, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. So I, I had a tape measure, and I, I just grabbed all that stuff and. And uh, or you know looked at it, and uh, I I I considered taking a photo of the cupboard and then diagramming it, and I realized that by the time I did that, I could just grab my Apple pencil and draw it on my iPad, and then you know I I had it right there. Um, and uh, I will confess that that one didn't go into my typical capture system, but I'm always willing to make allowances so that I actually have the data captured in the format that makes the most sense for the data, rather than saying that I have to stick to a specific app. Yeah, and there's a lot of places you can store that reference or the action. I mean, we've talked about multiple task um, applications, and we've talked about multiple personal knowledge applications. I think the darling for both Rose and I at the moment is Obsidian, but you know it could be Evernote or it could be uh, just drafts uh, notes or whatever. There's a lot of places you could put this stuff for reference, but the goal of today's show is really to talk about how do we automate and quicken and, and make that capture possible. But I did think it's worth talking about that, you know, understanding that whether something's going to be an action item or a reference item may impact the way that you proceed with doing the capture itself. Yes. Yeah. My question for you is, what apps are you using for capture usually? Uh, do, you, do you capture in the same place that you, you know the item is going to end up in, or, or do you capture in specific applications? Again, there's two categories. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, when I'm being deliberate about capture, I like to have very few tools. I mean, you, you don't want to have a lot of different inboxes that you have to check every day. So, right. The weapon of choice for a very long time for me has been drafts. I mean, I yes. I can capture as text, and and we're going to get into, in the meat of today's show, what we can do with drafts since we do those captures. But drafts is like the ideal capture tool. Um, it's an app that's on your phone, which is in your pocket at all times. And the beautiful, one of the best features of this app is that when you hit the icon or you launch the app, 
you don't have to create a new file. You don't have to, you know, throw salt over your shoulder. You just open the app mm-hmm. and there is a blinking cursor. So you can immediately write something down. And as silly as that sounds, that was a revolutionary feature when it came out. And yeah. it remains super powerful. And, you know, it has great support for dictation and typing. So you can get text into it very quickly. A related feature of drafts is the best watch OS app app I think that exists. I'll, I mean that I'll, at least I'll say it's my favorite third party app on the watch. I mean, there's a lot of people making cool watch apps, but drafts puts a little drafts icon in your widget screen. It's on almost every watch face I own because when an idea occurs to me, I can lift my wrist, tap that one icon and just start talking to my watch and it captures to drafts. I mean, uh, it's so good for that. So, so the first category is deliberate capture goes into drafts. The second category is more like focused capture. Mm -hmm. And I, there's a bunch of apps that I use that also have quick capture built into them. Like, um, OmniFocus has a great capture tool and Mm -hmm. they also have macros you can run to capture email and, you know, different things you can do. So when I'm working in OmniFocus, I'll use the OmniFocus quick capture. I won't go back to drafts and then send it to OmniFocus later, although I can, um, just like Obsidian, when I talked about earlier, like client notes on calls and things, usually when I'm on a call with a client, I've got the Obsidian note open for the transaction we're discussing so I can reference yeah. prior information. So, of course, I'll just capture the notes right there in Obsidian during that call. I don't need to put it in drafts and come back. I don't, I don't need to be pedantic about it, I guess is what I'm saying. If it makes sense yeah. to go straight to the reference app or the action app and put it in, I'll do that. But... Uh, if I'm just wandering around and a random idea occurs to me, or I just hang up the phone with my mom about how to cook roast beef, likely I'll go to drafts. Yeah. Yeah. I very much do the same. I've assigned uh, a shortcut to the double back tap on my iPhone. This is something you can do in accessibility settings that came up with iOS 14. You can, you can set it to do specific things like take a screenshot or something like that, but I have set it to open drafts. And for a long time, I thought that this feature was kind of flaky. And that was because I was trying to double tap the bottom of my iPhone. It turns out if you double tap the Apple logo, then it works every single time guaranteed. And I've set that up so that it creates a new draft uh, automatically. That's the shortcut that is running, create draft, and it, it and then it, and it opens that a new draft for me um, because that gets me into drafts super, super quickly. Uh, the other thing, of course, that I have is I've got a widget on my home screen, which has got drafts in it. So I can see my inbox. I've got a plus button. Um, uh, I've got a clipboard button. Um, and I also have a search. And then I have uh, four different um uh, workspaces that I frequently use, uh, which is really handy um, so that I can go into workspaces specifically um, rather than just, you know, a generic area of drafts um, because workspaces have the action groups and so on uh, associated with them. So when I open my processing workspace, then it very specifically loads, you know, things so that I can, you know, get my captured items then to their their destination really quickly. Um, I've also got it assigned to keyboard shortcut on macOS so that if I'm sitting here and somebody says something, if it is not related to exactly what it is that I'm looking at, I open drafts and I type it and then I'm done. And that's it. Um, because that makes it much easier. I try like like you, you know, you said with the with the client notes, if you're if you're an obsidian, then you'll capture into that. 
if if I'm in the right place to capture, you know, into that, then I will absolutely proceed to. But otherwise, um, I I will uh, change things up um, and just switch it uh, straight over to drafts. Um, so, and again, you know, like you, I also occasionally capture into OmniFocus, but I've really been trying to uh, not be in OmniFocus, as silly as that sounds, for actual task completion. Because if I, I find if I'm sitting in my task manager, then I end up, um, you know, shuffling the deck rather than actually dealing the cards. Um, so yeah. uh yeah so i'm trying to work on uh capturing and i you know uh i don't want thousands of inboxes so i i'm pretty much doing that in drafts though there are some exceptions which we will get to i i do think that um one of the important things to make a capture system automated or not automated work is just low resistance and yes being able to work on project a and have thought occur to you on project b and then hit a keyboard combo type a few words about it and know that it just got saved to drafts or pull your phone out of your pocket and dictate a quick note or to your wrist is exactly what you're looking for because you don't want to lose your train of thought on project a you're like oh, i've got this random thing rattling around my head about project b capture that real quick and then I'll come back to it later. And mm. um, I think that, you know, you're on the right track there. The, 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 like I said earlier, the one thing is if you are in the right place, don't go back to drafts because there's a whole procedure. And we're going to talk about that later about, you know, how do you get the stuff out of drafts into the various buckets they belong later. But, but otherwise, um, yeah, just, just get something like that. I, you know, if you don't want to spend money, uh, you could do it in Apple Notes. You could just open an Apple Note and you could have one running. Well, I mean, Drafts is free. That's something that people keep forgetting. Drafts is actually free. It's it's uh, The in-app purchase is only necessary if you're doing things like creating your own actions and workspaces yeah. and stuff like that. If you just want to use Drafts for capture and use the downloaded actions that are available, then you can do that. Um, yeah. And I would argue that you should do that uh, because Trust is a great application for this. But I mean, there are plenty of other applications that you could use. I mean, I actually do use reminders for some things because when I say hello, Apple lady, um, and she's listening because I've got a speaker in almost every room now. I don't have one in the hallway, but there are three rooms adjacent to the hallway with these. Um, I don't have one in the bathroom, um, so I I have to use my Apple Watch there uh, if if I need to capture something there. Um, but, um, you know, if I say, Hey lady, then, uh, she captures stuff and, uh, that works really well because then anything with a a time on, I just assume that it's got to go into due. So due automatically grabs that for me. Uh, if it's got, um, a location on, then it gets left alone. And if it doesn't have either of those, then it ends up in drafts for me, uh, which, you know, is something that works really well. Yeah. I I just don't trust the, um, HomePod enough yet to quick capturing it with my voice because too often it gets it wrong and then it ends up taking me more time. It's so much faster, which is kind of curious because my watch is also doing Siri voice to text dictation, but it just seems like it does such a better job capturing straight to drafts. And to follow up on your earlier point, I had forgot that you can get drafts for free and the stuff we're talking about for like quick capture. I think the free model is almost everything you need. Although, of course, we're going to improve that with custom actions and things later, which we'll talk about later in the show. Yes, but yeah, fundamentally what we're talking about here can be done in the free version. So if you've you've been going, oh, I'm not sure about drafts, then you you can grab the free version for this episode and and give it a shot uh, because it does work really, really well. 
This episode of Automators is brought to you by SyncUp, a OneDrive podcast. I love finding new podcasts to listen to. It's great when you find something that really grabs your attention and gives your brain something to chew on, whether that's in the background or the foreground. If you're looking for a new show to listen to, SyncUp takes you behind the scenes of OneDrive, so you can learn about how to connect files, share your documents, and work from anywhere. And you'll get to hear about the design and development side of things too. Each show covers a dedicated topic, guest interviews, news and announcements, plus a special topic outside of the technology norm. And that's one of the things I really love about it. Topics include data compliance and government, mobile productivity, working with iOS, Mac, Android and Windows, and of course, automation, one of our favourites. In the February edition, they talked about working with customer success managers and how to advise customers on using technologies like Teams and OneDrive. Plus, they did a little behind the scenes on their favourite article of pandemic clothing. Mine's a sweater, but that's a topic for another time. Go and listen to it now. Just search for SyncUp wherever you get your podcasts. That's S-Y-N-C-U-P, or just click the link in the show notes. Go check it out. Our thanks to SyncUp and Microsoft for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, so we've convinced you to use drafts, but we haven't really got into the good stuff you can do with drafts to make capture more automated. So let's talk about that a little bit. What are you doing um, with drafts as Rosemary Orchard professional automator to make that a faster process? Well, I mean, the first thing is this double tap on the back of my iPhone. That just opens a new draft and I'm right there. So from any application, I can literally just double tap the back of my iPhone um, and do that. And that works really well. Because I tried that with, and I did it with just turning the light on on my phone with the idea if I could up in the middle of the night, I could turn the, the, the light on. But I kept getting false positives. I'd pull my phone out of my pocket at two in the afternoon, the light would be on. Um, hmm. do you have that happen? There, so there's two kinds of things that you can do with, um, with this. Um, so if, if you go into settings, accessibility, back tap, um, and then you pick either double or triple, then there are system actions. There's accessibility actions, there's scroll gestures, and then there's shortcuts. Shortcuts, as far as I can tell, at least for something like opening drafts, need your phone to be unlocked. Which uh, means that if your phone is in your pocket, your face isn't in your pocket, so it's not going to unlock it. Um, and um, there hopefully are no faces in your pocket for a face ID to falsely detect you once 14.5 releases. Um, so something like turning the flashlight on, that doesn't need your phone to be unlocked. Um, but something like running a shortcut to open an application does. Um, and so I am, I'm doing this. I do occasionally pick up my phone after I just put it down, you know, while I'm cooking or something. And then I, I pick it up to check the next step uh, and go, oh, dress is open because I put it down. And the way that I put it down has triggered that double bat tap. Yeah. But I find if I, I if I treat my device well, which is something that I try to do and I don't throw it around, then this very rarely falsely triggers for me. Yeah, that that's interesting. So the necessity to unlock the phone actually makes it a more useful feature. I'm going to yes, try that. Yeah. I'm going to try yeah. that. Yeah, because, I mean, it can't open a, an app unless your phone is unlocked. So that that works really well. Uh, and you might want to try assigning the flashlight to the triple back tap because that's still pretty easy to use in the night. Uh, you just tap three times, yeah. uh, but it's less easy to trigger accidentally, uh, which works quite nicely. All right. Well, 
So you're getting into the app pretty quick. I the way I do it is I've just got the widget on my yeah. um and and I have a rotating widget on my home screen. It's it's the four shortcuts icons, or if I mm-hmm. swipe it, it's drafts. It's only two. The stack only has two items in it: drafts and shortcuts. So I can get to it pretty quickly. And like you, I use the eight button widget. And the yep. first one is by default inbox, and it's the one I press the most. In fact, maybe I should rethink that and make it an even simpler widget because I I don't really use all the other buttons as much anymore. So I don't know, but the uh, but yeah, either way, having a quick way to get in, you could also do it with just having the app on your home screen. You know, I just don't have any apps on my home screen right now. Yeah, so uh, Drafts has several widgets, and I'm I'm using the medium size eight button widget as well. Um, the other option would potentially be being listing what's in the contents of uh, a specific workspace or in my inbox, or displaying what's in a draft. What I like about the eight button one is by default it has the inbox creating a new draft dictation and search, but um, you can you can change those buttons up to do whatever you need. Um, so if you tap and hold on the widget, then you can tap edit it and then you can actually change things um, so that you open, uh, for example, your specific uh, inbox workspace instead of the default inbox um, uh, or something like that. I actually have my processing inbox right there, which is great. Um, and that's anything that isn't tagged. Um, and then it opens a specific uh, action group um, as well. Um, so I've got that. And that's another way because uh, I've also got the dictation button on there because sometimes the easiest way to capture is with dictation. And of course, the beauty of this is drafts has the magic dictation loop where you can talk and it just doesn't time out. Um, so I can be talking for a couple of minutes and it's capturing it. It doesn't necessarily do a great job. So I'm not going to do this for something that is, you know, mission critical um, unless I'm supervising it. Um, but for things like, you know, notes about what I'm cooking so that um, I can modify the recipe later, that's fine. Um, and uh, it works out pretty well for me. No, I, I think drafts is a remarkable widget implementation. And there's so many different kinds. I mean, you can go from the, the very smallest with just inbox to the very largest with so many buttons. If you've gone all in with drafts, for instance, making drafts your reference system and you've got a bunch of workspaces, you can access all of them right from the widget. So. That is yeah. a form of automation, I would argue. Yes, absolutely. Um, and it, it works uh, really nicely for this too. I've not had any issues with it um, at all. Um, and I do keep a lot of things in drafts, which is why I have my own custom inbox, which is nothing, everything that isn't tagged um, because things that stay in drafts have got a tag on them. Yeah. Um, and so that allows me to, you know, filter things out. So I go from thousands of notes to, you know, just the notes that need processing of which there are of course still too many, um, but I'm, I'm working on getting to uh, inbox zero there. <laughs> well, that like, I'm just the opposite with drafts. I actually badge the app which is very rare for me, but I badge it with any inbox items. And then when I see the widget, it shows me a count on my inbox, which annoys mm-hmm. the heck out of me. And yep. part of my shutdown procedure every day is going through and emptying the drafts. I think that really is part of the automated capture for me in that, that I need to, at the end of the day, empty drafts. Drafts is not right. the spot where these things linger because if I don't get my agreement to make that client contract in OmniFocus, I'm never going to do it. So it's real important that I process it. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I, I would suggest that for most people, it should be the same or or similar just because, you know, 
capture is part of a process. It's not the end point. At the very least, you should say, hey, this is a piece of reference material and mark it as such so that it's distinguishable from all of the other stuff um, that you have hanging around, um, which is one of the reasons why I've, I've relatively recently started using um, Obsidian, which I sync through Dropbox, um, because then I can have things uh, go easily to Obsidian from drafts because I just save it to a Dropbox folder. Yeah. Uh, or for, for work, I'm actually saving it to own cloud uh, because drafts can do that as well. Obsidian can just point at any folder on your Mac and that works perfectly for work. So I'm pretty happy about that. All right, can we put a... Actually, let's talk about that right now um, because that is an interesting part of the capture process is where you've got these text files that you've saved in drafts, but you've got a particular place you need them to be. And depending on the apps you're working with, that really can be an issue. Like an app that is Dropbox friendly, like Obsidian, makes it really easy because Drafts has Dropbox um, systems built in. The way I use Obsidian is I actually use, because I've got client notes in it, I use their end-to-end encrypted product. I pay extra and I have my own password for my data. So if you got on there, any server, you wouldn't be able to access it. Um, But what that means is I can't easily write to the cloud with Obsidian data because it's all encrypted. Um, but the way my data is stored, it's stored locally on my drive on a, you know, on a protected drive, but that drive is not anywhere in the cloud. You know, it's, it's off iCloud, it's off Dropbox, but then Obsidian sends it up to a cloud service that they provide for a fee that holds the encrypted data. And so for me to write to my Obsidian data on my Mac, I actually have in drafts um, save local saves of markdown files to that particular folder on my local folder. I can't do any of the cool Dropbox stuff Rose does, but that's the way I am able to use the app for the stuff I need to use with encryption. I mean, so like I looked at um, Rome and Craft, and, and a lot of these are great services, but they don't offer that end to end encryption, so I couldn't use them. Yeah. Um, and that is something uh, that, that you, you know, potentially need to be aware of with any of these things. If what you're capturing is sensitive, um, then, you know, you, you need to make sure it's right. In, in the case of work, I never really capture anything that's actually sensitive. You know, if, if for example, the fact that um, our, our web server is running uh, PHP 7.4 instead of PHP 8 is sure. super sensitive, then I think we're going to have a much bigger issue um, than, you know, the fact that we're running 7.4 uh, because it's still supported. Um, so, yeah. Um, uh, you know, but I, I'm I'm just trying to stick with good practices of, you know, work stuff goes over here and other stuff goes over there. But because I, I've set things up, so I have uh, inside of my Obsidian folder, I have uh, a folder uh, or instead of my Obsidian vault, um, which is basically a folder. I have yeah. a folder called lists um, and this contains surprise a series of lists so this is stuff like tv shows to watch books to read things like that and i'm constantly experimenting with where these things go but at the moment i'm really happy with them being there because i've built a custom dropbox action which finds all of the markdown files in that folder and it shows them to me as a list and then it's say it appends whatever is in my current draft minus um like read or watch or you know whatever um and you know just removing any white space um after that that's been nuked um and it it appends that to one of those lists and that makes it really easy for me um to just have all these things because i'm very fortunate in that 
for my personal stuff, I can use Dropbox. Um, and so I love it. Um, because that that works um and it means that i both captured to the right place but then when i'm looking for the data it's going to be really easy to find and of course because i'm using dropbox i'm not married to obsidian i I can then you know just open the entire folder in bb edit or nova or something else if i want to Um, and i can of course open individual files anytime Um, and i can even get stuff with shortcuts which is pretty handy no, I totally agree. Like I, there's part of me that thinks I should just separate the legal vault to the encrypted database and put like a personal vault, like somewhere like Dropbox, but mm-hmm. it's so much easier having it all in one place. So, and it, you know, so I'll err on the side of caution, just make it all encrypted. But uh, the thing, the point you made there, I think, which is helpful for automators is you're capturing with drafts. Well, it's great. Drafts is great. Like I said earlier, you open it, you can just dictate right into it and get it out and they have a sharing button to get the data shared. But if you have a paid account and you start using custom actions, drafts like goes to a whole new level for automated capture. The ability to easily make actions, I think is very underrated by a lot of people listening to this show. Um, It is super easy. You go online and you look at sample actions and you're like, oh my gosh, these guys are writing massive JavaScript and I'm not going to be able to do that. And it's just going to break. And I'm going to waste a bunch of time. So I'm not going to do that. But like capture is a great example. Like I have one for client phone calls, right? And all of this is templated. You know, you can template text in a draft action. You don't have to write any JavaScript to do that. All you do is say insert template text. And in there you can put variables like the current date and time. So like as soon as a client calls me or as soon as I hang up from a client, I open a draft, I hit the action item for client call. It puts in a date and timestamp. It lets me insert the client's name. It then has a, a list of things like prompts or what did we discuss? What are my action items following it? All this stuff, I can just write that in. And then I press one button and it saves that out as a markdown file to what's in essence my inbox in obsidian and that gets synced through the end-to-end encrypted you know encryption and it just happens that fast um and it's just awesome you know and and i really find that the ability to create these custom actions can make your capture so much more efficient and accurate yes and and that's the thing, you know, I, I've done some little tweaks. So usually the way uh, if you share something from Safari to drafts, it would usually create a markdown link with the title of the page um, as, as the name of the link, uh, the URL in brackets, and then a quote. Um, and the quote would be whatever selected. And if you've got nothing selected, you end up with this empty quote mark. Well, I almost never have anything selected. So I decided um, that, first of all, I was going to get rid of the quote mark because if I've got something selected, it just lands in the body of the note and I can manually add the quote mark. Um, but otherwise, I'm just going to start typing and I don't want you know um, there, there to be this random empty quote there. Uh, but I also realized that because of the way that I name things, um, and usually if I'm, if I'm looking, if I've got a link and I want to save it, then I want the title of the page as the name be that the file name um, or the task name. Um, And I will probably, in fact, almost certainly modify it, but I like having that as a base because it's very easy to just delete a couple of words or um, add a few words at the beginning um, and then go from there. Um, So what um, I have done is I've modified this, and this is something you can do in the drafts preferences. 
Um, I, I I can't remember precisely where it is right now, um, of course. Um, but there there is a way to do this where, yeah, it's under extensions, at least on the Mac. So I've just got it. Um, it's got the hash and the space, which is a H1 title, and then the title tag. And then uh, under that, it's got the the uh, the URL format because I, I like that. That will, you know, it doesn't necessarily get parsed when I send it to OmniFocus. It's just... It's 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 plain text, um, but I can read it. It's Markdown. Markdown as plain text works really well. Um, and uh, then uh, and then if it's in Obsidian and I'm using the preview, then of course it's nicely clickable. Uh, and then underneath that, there's a selection. But I changed that because that works better with my workflow. And that's that's I think the key part of capture. You need to have or automated capture. You need to tweak your tools to work for you. Yeah, I have so many text entry templates and drafts where. Things are going to maybe go into day one or Obsidian or even maybe an OmniFocus task. But um, I customize everything in the template forms in draft so I can do as much of the work automatically without me having to type in. It's just so useful using this text. It's just not a difficult action at all. The trick is you save it. If, you, if it's where it's sitting, you save it as a markdown file. Maybe some other places you save it as text. Um, another thing is like, one wrinkle on this for me is if I'm on my Mac, I can save it directly to the Obsidian file. But if I'm on my iOS device, I can't because I don't have access to it um, because of the Indian encryption. So I save it to a particular folder and then I've got um, Hazel doing work on the Mac to kind of get it to the right place. Um, but And that's the most complicated way you could do it. That's only because I've added all this end-to-end nonsense. If you're just doing it in Dropbox, it would be easier Um, yes but but create some actions like i've got a whole list of them for obsidian entries so like if i've got if i come across a website and i want to write a blog post about it um i i push a a shortcut that saves the um that opens a draft where it saves the name of the post the url and a summary and then from there i i may write the post or just save it into obsidian and write the post there but the whole thing is just quick capture, getting the data I need, and moving on. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the thing, you know, it's it's about being able to do this really, really quickly. Uh, so a lot of the time, I will share directly to drafts, but whenever I want a specific format, it's been very, very easy for me to um, either write a draft section, which takes, you know, it parses what's in um, in in the draft and and. It manipulates that to be whatever I want. Or most of the time, like you, I write shortcuts. Um, and I've tried to experiment with expanding this a little bit on macOS and writing custom bookmarklets. Uh, sure. Bookmarklets are essentially JavaScript that you can click um, to do to something. Um, and there are lots of examples out there that you can find of bookmarklets. I mean, we actually have one uh, for, for Relay FM uh, where I can click a magic button and it appends a link to uh, the automated show notes. And that's how I just added uh, my, my custom action uh, for appending to a list, um, which uh, I should caveat that that's saving it very specifically to a custom folder of mine. So you will need to edit that if you, if you want to use that action. Um, 
that you know you should you should do that because it's very easy to do. I've already written it for you. I will say that my code's not the best, but it was something I wrote quickly and it works. Um, but um, a lot of the time now, I find that I'm using Handoff to pick up the the Safari page on my iPhone, and then I, I send it to drafts to uh, send it to shortcuts, which manipulates stuff and chucks it into drafts. It adds an extra step, but I've then got everything in the format that I desire on my phone um, and uh, or in drafts specifically so that I can then send it wherever I need it to go. Yeah, well, I mean, this is an example of one of the things where automation is easier on iOS than it is on the Mac because yeah. we don't have shortcuts on the Mac and shortcuts parses the entire website for you and you right. just build out a text file that says title and you insert the title that you pull out with the shortcut. It rather than monkeying around with JavaScript that may break with the next JavaScript update or, you know, next time you update your Mac, for some reason it may stop working. The shortcuts method is faster to create and more reliable. So I find myself doing the same. What I do if I'm on my Mac and I see something that I want to act on, I actually just save it to reading list because I actually put my relator into Instapaper. Reading list is just like, here's a link that I need to act on one way or another. And sometimes it's something that's easier for me to act on on the Mac. So then I clear it out there or sometimes it's easier to act on, on, on mobile, but I check that, you know, and yeah. um, try and keep it empty. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I find that if I do that, then um, I'm, I'm committing a GTD sin, which is I'm trying to let my brain remember why I've got it. Um, so if I, if I, if I just throw something into drafts and then say, you know, uh, process this with X shortcut, by the time I've done that, I could have just opened, uh, you know, ha- done the handoff, added it, yeah. you know, de- dealt with it through the shortcut and, you know, be done with it. Um, so I, I'm finding that um, th- there is some merit to doing that. But at the same time, I found that it doesn't necessarily always pay off for me because my brain's then trying to remember things. Um, and uh, my brain's not very good at remembering things, it turns out. This is why I capture it, because I'm capturing it so that I will actually remember it. And I find if I've captured it properly, then I will remember it. If I don't capture it properly, then things go wrong. So for me, the the critical component is the daily shutdown. If you listen to the Focus podcast, Mike and I talk about this a lot, but I have to do the day-in shutdown. And part of it is I I have a whole checklist, and... I'll check reading list if there's anything new. Because if I did it that day, I'll remember and get it done. Um, if I have to empty out the drafts inbox. But if I wait a week and I go and look at a draft that I wrote a week ago, there's a good chance I'm not going to know what the heck that's there for. You know, So um, yeah. I have to do it on a daily basis. I don't know if that's automation or not, but that is a Well, key. I think a good chunk of automation is building good habits, right? Because yeah. a habit is pretty much an automation. If you if something is a habit for you, then you will remember to do it. Um uh and it will just do, be done. And that that's, you know, the beauty of uh productivity and automation. They are a great intersection in many, many ways. Either way, um drafts actions are to me the secret sauce of automating uh, capture because you know you just you just create a whole bunch of these templates i even do it for the templates like obsidian has a built-in template system which is also kind of automated capture if you want it to be but i'm not necessarily in obsidian all the time and so i've recreated those all in drafts with drafts quick capture um, templates and i've just got a whole menu of them and i can pick any one of them so if i'm 
laying in bed and I think of something I want to capture, I'll just open up drafts, pick the appropriate Obsidian template and dictate into it. And all this stuff is just, you know, the trick is putting a little time in ahead of time. So when that moment of inspiration hits you, you can get that, that idea captured with the least amount of friction. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by Text Expander. Go to textexpander.com slash podcast to get a 20% discount off your first year. If you're listening to The Automators and you haven't tried Text Expander yet, you owe it to yourself to do so. Text Expander is an excellent automation tool. If you're feeling like you've got too much to do and not enough time, or you're wondering how you can claw back some time but don't know where to start, Text Expander is your answer. Text Expander helps you work faster and smarter, so you can focus your time on your most important work. With just a few keystrokes, Text Expander keeps you consistent, accurate, and working efficiently. With Text Expander in tow, you can speed through emails in a fraction of the time, expand forms with fill in the blank fields using quick abbreviations, save serious time by storing and expanding phrases you type frequently, and get your message right every time by expanding content that corrects your spelling and keeps your language consistent with a few keystrokes. Text Expander is on all of the Apple platforms as well as Windows, and I find so many uses for it. We're talking a lot today about drafts, but did you know drafts has built-in Text Expander support? That's right, you can expand your snippets right in draft. So you get all the benefit of text expander with that quick capture we're talking about today in drafts. That's one of my secrets to getting the most out of drafts. If you haven't tried text expander yet, you should do so. There's no better time than now because the automators listeners get 20% off their first year. Just go to textexpander.com slash podcast. That's textexpander.com slash podcast and start automating now. Our thanks to Text Expander and Smile for their support of the automators and all of Relay FM. So, David, I think we need to talk about more ways that we automate capture uh, because there are lots of ways. And I touched on this a little bit earlier, um, but I say, hey, Apple lady, um, and use that as a capture method. Um, and this may not sound super automated, but when I break it down, um, it actually is. Um, so I'll do that. Uh, first of all, I have, um, you know, add this to my shopping list. Um, so for example, add bananas to my shopping list. And that goes into a shopping list list in reminders. Um, and then I, I actually do have a shortcut that can pull those items into OmniFocus because a lot of my things to purchase do end up in OmniFocus. Uh, some people don't think that's best practice. I personally think whatever system works for you is best practice. Um, and uh, this works for me. Uh, because it means that I get reminders when I'm near a store if I've got something to buy there, uh, which is the the important part. I don't want reminders for a store if there's nothing to purchase there. Um, but then, so I have I have the shopping list, and that's easy. Um, but then everything else pretty much lands in a single default list, which I have linked to the Jew app. And uh, for people not familiar with it, the Jew app nags you. So you you set up a default. Mine's every five minutes. Um, and then it, if you don't mark something as done when it tells you to do it, it'll come back five minutes later and go, do it. Um, and I, I use this for a certain thing. So recently I had to take a, a course of medication um, and uh, it's antibiotics. So you need to take them at the right time and, and stuff like that. So I had 
uh, I used shortcuts actually in that particular case to add a series of tasks to Jew, which it then nagged me for. But Jew can automatically or can look at a reminders list and anything with a date and time, it will just grab for you. Uh, and that's perfect. Um, and uh, I, I decided that very occasionally I do want reminders when I get to a location and I like using reminders for this because that stays on the home screen of my phone until either I leave the location or until I mark it off. Uh, unlike OmniFocus where this is a iOS limitation, it just appears once and then it, it goes sure. away. Um, and so um, I, I ask it to do that. And then I have a shortcut, which I run every 15 minutes through Pushcut. I could probably just hook this to the open drafts action. But it looks for any reminders in this list which doesn't have an alert. Now, an alert could be a date or t- uh, date or time, or it could be a location. So anything that doesn't have that, it will create a draft for each of them, and then uh, and then it actually deletes it. Uh, the reminder um, drafts can automatically import things from a reminders list, but if it does that, it will just grab everything, which includes potentially ones that haven't yet been sucked into due, um, which should have been, and ones which have got location-based reminders on, which I which I don't want it to do. So I do this manually. Um, and that works really, really well for me because then I can say, hey, uh, remind me to um, uh, clean the spot on the living room curtain. I noticed there was a blue spot on my living room curtain the other day. Um, and so I need to clean that. And I, I you know, just use the Hey Magic Lady um, trick for that. And then it appeared in Jew, and as I was going through and processing my inbox, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, actually, you know what? That's a couple of minutes. I'll just do that right now. Um, and, you know, obviously I hadn't been able to do it before, hence capturing it. Um, but that, you know, that I have found has been a very nice setup for me. I've got lots of applications in there doing things, but this now just happens entirely in the background without me thinking about it, which is amazing. All right, I want to pull that apart. So, the you know, the starting point is you're using... Siri and it's it's excellent integration with the Apple Reminders app as a quick capture. It seems like that's the yeah. reason you're doing this, right? I mean, rather than going to specific apps. Yeah, yeah, because you can say, um, you know, um, hey, hey, Apple lady, um, create a note in drafts, but that's more words than well, it's actually the same number of words as remind me to, um, or pretty much. Um, but um, I just find that remind me to is easy syntax. Um, and I don't need to think about, um, you know, which app is this going into? It's just, this is a reminder. And a reminder for me is anything from, you know, cook beef at six o'clock um, to, um, you know, um, do a freezer inventory or clean clean that spot in the living room curtains. Yeah, and and honestly, the problem is, in my experience, is when you go to third-party apps, it's like one more point of failure in the process. So you need, number one, to get Siri to understand you're trying to go to this third-party app, and then number two, get the text into the app. And so often, it's at that first step that it fails, and you feel ridiculous, and it makes you crazy that you're sitting there talking, and it's putting stuff in the wrong place or not, you know, yeah. not getting it right. Yeah. The other thing I'll say is, of course, this is running pretty much on HomePods because unless I'm wearing headphones, the HomePods take priority and HomePods don't run apps. So yeah. while theoretically they can't pass it off to an iPhone or an iPad, which will deal with it, I found sometimes they don't. That's a bit of a, you know, thing yeah. where it's just not clicking quite as it should. And I don't know exactly where the problem is, but Reminders works 10 out of 10 times. So yeah. I, I've stuck with the simple solution. 
So that's a third point of failure. It's like it's got to then go from the HomePod to the mobile device and, you know, something's going to break. So so you've identified, I can take a three-step process and turn it into a one-step process if I just go into the native app. Yeah, yeah, but then, absolutely. then you're parsing out of the native app. This is the part I want to kind of pick apart. So, yeah. uh, so for do... Um, I have not used, I use do as well. Like I talked earlier about the importance of a shutdown. I have a do yep. reminder at the end of the day, shut it down. And then I've got a, 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 you know, a checklist that I go through at that point. I don't make do items or every item on the checklist. It's just get started with the shutdown, mm-hmm. but you are actually pulling items that are date related out of reminders and putting them into do automatically. Yeah, yeah. And this is a native feature of Dew. I didn't really do anything for this. So if you open Dew in the in the sidebar under uh, settings, I believe, um, then there should be an option under... Um, so there's import where you can specifically import everything in one list. But there's also auto import where you can select a reminders list um, and it will it will then attempt to import that. And I set my background app refresh uh, to to maximum because, you know, I'm not going anywhere and I've got a Max iPhone. And once there's yeah. a Max battery pack uh, released, then there will be one of those in my bag at all times, um, along with the watch charging cable, because that will pretty much do. Um, uh, you know, obviously the more frequently that you do this, the, the more battery it uses, but that's fine. Um, and, uh, I also, um, when we, when we get to another part later, I, I have, uh, shortcuts, uh, just open the Dew app and then pop back to shortcuts, um, on a, on a secondary device, just because, um, it, it makes sure that it grabs it because whenever it opens it, it's like, oh yeah, Hey, I should actually do this now. Um, and then it's done. And then what is the spoken syntax you use to your HomePod to not only save a reminder, but put it in the proper list? Well, that's the thing. I don't. Um, unless it's something that I need to purchase, in which case it's add this to my shopping list. Yeah. Um, then um, uh, all the all the, the rest of the time, it literally just goes into one list um, because I'm trying the keep it uh, really, really simple approach, um, which is basically... I have two lists. I have my shopping list and I have everything else. And everything else is then handled automatically. Dew knows if something has got a due time, then it it it, it grabs it. And that's it. It's done. It it goes, yep, yeah, this this belongs here. And it just handles that for me. And then the rest of it is handled through a shortcut that I've programmed. Okay. So the first thing so that we're addressing time related reminders through do and then you had you're addressing location related reminders just by leaving them in the reminders app right yeah yeah absolutely um because you know this is really handy um and uh, i leave them alone um and shortcuts i found can so in shortcuts it can be a bit tricky to find whether or not a uh reminder has got a location associated with it but if a reminder has an alert associated with it that is possible and a location triggers an alert um, and therefore, I found the the trick for this is to look for reminders with no alert. Um, and then I repeat with each. I add it to drafts and I delete it inside of that repeat loop. Um, and then finally, at the end, um, it opens due and then it bounces back to drafts. And then uh, that, that shortcut finishes. Clever. Clever. Yeah. It just forces everything to end up in the right place. I should probably uh, have it add to due uh, opened you right at the beginning um, because what what I've done is this is running on um, I, I purchased an iPod Touch recently David uh, because I realized I, I needed a, another iPhone for recording um, uh, screencasts online things and I only have my push cut server one 
uh, and I had to wipe it because I needed a different account. And uh, there, there was a whole thing. And I thought, this is really annoying. What is one of the cheapest iOS devices that sure. I can purchase that will make my life easier? So I am the proud owner of a gold iPod Touch sitting here on my desk, um, which is just running Pushcut Automation Server, Shortcut Strafts, um, and a couple of other apps uh, like Scriptable, um, Toolbox Pro, things like that. Anything that basically allows my, my automations to work magically. So I've got an automation set up that whenever the Jew app opens, it waits 10 seconds and then it opens shortcuts. Um, and I also have uh, similar things actually for several other applications, including the Eve app, uh, because that opens periodically to make sure that all of my data is grabbed. Um, uh, because when we talked to Merlin Mann on the show, he said, you know, sometimes you just lose data from the Eve app. So I've got it just opening periodically on this iPhone uh, so that I always have that data. I forgot that they were even selling those still. <laughs> well, yep. Uh, I mean, the iPod Touch, I wouldn't say that it's an amazing device. It does not have Touch ID or Face ID. So that means that every time it's locked, I have to type in the passcode. But at the same time, it's sitting here running an app 24-7. It very rarely needs my passcode, uh, only to install updates and things like that. Um, and I also made the uh, perhaps crazy decision that none of the apps on this or the operating system should be running a beta, which does mean every so often I get myself into slightly hairy uh, positions where shortcuts action exists, uh, and then I try to run it on my server and the the action does not exist because it's uh, it's still in beta. But most of the time, those things aren't running through push cuts anyway. All right. So on behalf of the audience and myself, can I ask that you share your shortcut where you're just so I can see yes. the steps uh, for getting the things to um, to drafts. Yes, yes. The link for that will indeed be in the show notes. Yeah. Well, that's that's really clever, Rose. I don't do any of that stuff. <laughs> Honestly, I I, I uh, lift my wrist to my 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 mouth and I talk into drafts. That's and everything goes in. Lists go in there and everything. And and to tell you the truth, I have so few time related like do shortcuts. Like I've got like in do right now. I've got every I have to remind myself every Thursday night to get the trash on the street for the trash collector. I every day I remind myself to shut down at the end of the day. And and I'd like to turn that off. I had it turned off for a while and then I found myself getting out of the habit of shutting down. So I had to like go back to discipline. But yeah. it's just I just don't use it for a whole lot. But the stuff I do use it for it's it's super useful. And just like you said, if you're taking some special medication or if you're doing something where you just want your phone to bug the hell out of you, if you don't do it, do is the answer. That's my endorsement right there. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, and it's all about choosing the right app for um, for for the right use case. And I have found if I'm asking you to remind me of something, um, then um, or sorry, if I'm asking reminders to remind me of something then that means that um, I, I probably need to do it very specifically at that time, done. Um, and that means that it shouldn't land in OmniFocus. Uh, there are very occasionally exceptions to this rule, but that's occasional. So I don't uh, worry about that. And I just say, you know what, if I'm saying, remind me to do, do this at this time, it goes in due, done. And uh, you know, when I do my when I do my daily clear out, then I, I open due to to take a look at what's in there. And every so often I will see something and go, ah, you know what, this belongs to this project. I'm gonna put this in OmniFocus and delete it over here. But it's rare, very rare. Well, I think as always, Rosemary Orchard is one of the cleverest automators I know. And you always surprise me with cool stuff like this. 
Well, thank you. And I would just like to say for people going, oh gosh, that that shortcut that parses the reminders sounds complex. It's got seven actions in it. And so I am 110% sure that everybody who uses this uh, will be able uh, to figure it out um, because it, it's only seven actions. Um, I will actually add an eighth action for our listeners, which is a comment that says uh, you need to open, sh- you need to go back to shortcuts uh, when G opens. But that's it. Okay, I want to talk about a different area of capture that I think deserves special, you know, consideration. And that's capturing communications. You know, there's an issue, a challenge I have, frankly, with with capture, and that is other humans, right? (laughs) I mean, they email me, (laughs) they text message me, they drop me notes in Slack, and there's all these places that you communicate with other humans that results in a lot of times action-related capture, sometimes reference-related, but usually action. And how do you reliably capture that and and put it into your system with the minimum amount of friction, but the hundred percent reliability? Um, so maybe let's just take that by medium, uh, the, and let's take the hardest one first, in my opinion, and that is text messages. People yeah. always and client. This is a particular problem for me with legal clients because you know legal stuff is serious, and when they ask me to do something via text message. I kind of want to have a record of it and I just want to get the details right if I ever have to act on it. So, um, and the messages app doesn't really do a great job of, of, of that, you know, you can select specific messages and share them, but you can't get like a, a group of like eight messages together as a thread. And I have tried all sorts of different solutions for this over the years. And I'll just tell you what I'm doing at this point. And mm-hmm. it sounds really hacky, but I take screenshots. I mean, I just yeah. grab a screenshot when I have you know three or four messages with a client, I'll save it. And then I've got automation involved with save to file where it's putting it in a very specific place on iCloud. And um, I can put links to it if I want in Obsidian and do other kinds of things with it. But uh, my ultimate solution for quick capture of text messages is a screenshot. What are you doing? Uh, so I I see your screenshot and I raise, raise you screenshot with Pixo. Okay. Um, and Pixo yeah. is an app for iOS, which will stitch screenshots together. It can also uh, do things like remove that scroll bar and stuff for you, which you don't necessarily want. Um, but the, the point of it is, is that then if I've got a longer thread, then I can uh, make sure that I've got all of those in one screenshot, which really does help. The other thing I do is if you tap and hold uh, on messages in, in well, messages, um, then if you use the more action, you can select multiple messages. And I do this and then I use that share uh, and then uh, I share it, which opens it in a new message. This drives me nuts, but it opens it in a new message. And then I select all and I copy because this way I have the text from that image as well. Um, and I, I I usually just paste this um, uh, somewhere because this means if I'm looking for a word that I mentioned in that thread and it didn't make it into, um, into the title of this is almost certainly going to be a task or a project um, or, um, or my, uh, my notes, then I actually have the entire thread, you know, pasted 
right there. Um, it's not formatted. It's not pretty. That's not how I read it. I go back to the image to read it, but it means that for searchability, I, I have it. Um, and I have considered several times using one of the, the many great actions out there to OCR it. But at the end of the day, OCR can be a bit tricky. And when I have the ability to just copy and paste those items directly, it seems very silly not to use it. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. The other piece I do with it is once I take the shot and I do stitch them together, if, if it needs, I, I always hope I don't need to stitch them together because I, I don't want to have that long. I try to keep uh, client communications out of messages, to be honest. But yeah, the, um, yeah when I do, I'll, I'll stitch them together. But I also, at the same time, will, depending on context, I'll either put it straight into OmniFocus or I'll save a draft saying process, you know, text message thread. And then and then at the end of the day, when I go through it, then I'll get the, the image in the right location. And if I need to add OmniFocus tasks based on it or whatever, I'll, I'll take care of it all. But uh, that quick capture to me, and I'd love to hear from people in the audience if they've got a better solution. But everything I've tried feels very tenuous. Like trying to capture a specific text message is not easy. And Apple just doesn't make it easy. So I, I, f- I found that, you know, the screen grab is the easiest way I could do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, it's it's one of those things where ideally, you know, you would just say to people, you can't message me. Um, but I, I found... Uh, specifically at work, it's always managers using the chat system to ask for things that really need to be done as a change request and stuff like that. Um, and and trying to tell your manager what to do unless you have a great relationship with them might not go well. Um, so uh, that that's something that you you need to keep an eye on. Um, but um, the 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 other thing is is you know some people just can't be trained. Um, you you just have to deal with it and capture. However, um, so that that's what I'm doing with with this um and you know it's it's not perfect but it works yeah the challenge of the text message is the immediacy of it um it is the closest thing to immediate communications you can ignore a text but you know when it's the people that are paying for your shoes it's hard to do that for a long time Uh, a related but easier problem for me are slack and slack like services um and the reason that's easier for me is because Check Slack is I do it once in the morning and once in the evening. I don't keep it open all day. Yeah. So it's not a thing that, you know, where tasks pass through. And so when I do the shutdown at the end of the day, I check communications, I check email, I check, I clear out text messages and I clear out Slack. And, and if there's something in there, if Rose says, Hey, I need you to help me out with this ad, or, you know, we're going to plan the next episode of automators and Slack. Um, I can easily convert that to an action item. Cause I'm sitting at my computer and I can grab the text. I can, there's a lot of ways I can automate it, but, but it's just the immediacy of those text messages that is my, the bane of my existence in terms of capture. How about email? How are you dealing with email? Well, email is one of those things where, um, I like to avoid it, but I can't. Um, and so I, I have set up some things which make my life much easier. So for example, certain emails I have auto forwarded to uh, either Zapier or Integromat, and I flip-flop back and forth with these things as to which one works the best. Often it's just wherever I had a space to set up a, an action um, or scenario, uh, Zap or a scenario to be precise. Um, and um, basically I, I have it and then it, it will parse text out 
um, and go, oh, hey, here's the magical information that I need to use. And then it uh, it will mark that email as read and archive it in almost all cases. There are a few cases where it will just mark it as read and leave it in my inbox. But most of the time it's, it's archived and so it's gone. Um, which uh, is great because the more emails that can be automatically handled for me, the better. Um, and a lot of these things are stuff um, like, for example, um, Amazon returns. Whenever I'm returning something to Amazon, um, I would like a, a mini OmniFocus project created for that. Thank you very much. Um, and so what I do is I I have um, it look um, for anything uh, about your Amazon return. And then this one is actually an integromat. It branches out. It checks whether or not it's something that I need to print a label for. Uh, and if I don't need to print a label, then it tells me, uh, then it uh, gets uh, a um, the 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 link from the thing for for the barcode that the people at the the store can scan, um, and then um, it it you know just creates some task paper and saves that to a Dropbox folder. This is where things get a little bit sticky because that Dropbox folder has a Hazel rule on my Mac Mini to move it to an iCloud folder, um, and this uh, is inside of drafts, and then it goes into the the drafts inbox. Um, and, um, then, uh, I see it and it's task paper formatted. And I know that means I press the button, parse task paper, uh, in OmniFocus. Uh, and, uh, then it just, it magically goes into OmniFocus. I almost certainly could set this up to send this to a push cut action. Um, and then it would just, uh, and then that shortcut would go, Hey, task paper, I'm saving this to OmniFocus done. Um, but I, I like throwing things into Dropbox. And so that's what I'm doing right now. Um. As it is, whichever way I do it, I'm going to be involving, um, you know, two applications. Um, so I, I figured I'd leave it with Dropbox Hazel um, for, for now. Um, but I can always change that. Yeah. In my experience, anytime I automate moving files between two different clouds, there be dragons. Yes. Uh, I I mean, we get, we, we've done shows on email. I don't really want to get into all of the automation of email, but just for the capture purposes... I'll tell you that like a lot of times an email will give me an action item and I can select text and save that as an OmniFocus task. There's a bunch of ways to do that using scripting, even like something on the Mac, like pop clip, you can add it to OmniFocus very easily. So there's, there's a million ways to grab text and turn it into a task directly. I don't drafts falls out of the loop when I'm turning emails into a capture item. And then you know, the bigger way to capture an email is to get a link to the email and depends on which email platform you use. If you use Apple Mail, there is Apple scripts you can use to grab the link. If you use something like Spark, Spark generates its own specific Spark link to the email. If you use Hey, it's a URL. Um, so it just depends on your email platform. But having mm-hmm. a way to reliably capture a link to the email that follows the email. So if you move the email to a different folder or whatever, you can still get it. That is an excellent, excellent way to capture email. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I, I find a judicious use of filters is great. Um, so I, I recently had a bit of a break from work. And when I got back, uh, I actually blocked off the first three hours uh, of my day uh, so that nobody could drag me into meetings or anything. And I didn't open the chat system or anything. Um, and I just sat there and I went through my inbox um, and I had my inbox open in mail on, on the left side of my screen. On the right side of my screen, I had the web interface with my mail and I just sat there creating filters, folders um, and just having stuff automatically filed away for me, which 
made it so much easier. Um, and so next time I take a break from work, uh, I will hopefully not come back to quite as full of an inbox. Uh, in some ways, I'm breaking things up into uh, secondary inboxes. In, in other ways, um, I, I'm, I'm just getting rid of things pretty much so that they're there if I need them for reference, but I probably won't. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by Delete Me. Remove your personal info from data brokers and get 30% off with the code AUTOMATORS. Have you ever Googled yourself? It can be kind of wild to see what private information is available for others to see. There's an entire world of shady companies out there that collect and sell your personal information. They're called data brokers, and they know your phone number, home address, political affiliations, and dating preferences. Even if you've been careful, you've left a massive fingerprint on the internet, and an average data broker can possess about 1,500 data points about each person. And it's the kind of data that can be used for cyberstalking, doxing, or identity theft. The good news is you can take one simple step to remove yourself from the majority of these data brokers. You can use Delete Me. Think of Delete Me as an anti-data broker. They've removed millions and millions of records from data brokers over the last 12 years and continue to fight for users' right to privacy. The world with the internet is inherently less private, but that doesn't mean you have to just give up on it. With Delete Me, you can fight back and try to keep some of your most valuable data off the internet so someone doesn't steal your identity or dox you. Protecting your privacy is important, and it's something that only you can do, so you need to take an active role in it. If you want to make sure your data stays yours, head to joindeleteme.com slash automators and use code automators for that 30% discount. That's joindeleteme.com slash automators and automators for the 30% discount. Our thanks to Delete Me for the excellent services they're providing to folks and their support of the automators. So, David, we have another question for Ask the Automators, which, of course, you're welcome to uh, to send to us. There's a link on the Relay FM page. Uh, and also, you can just post in the forums or tweet at us. Um, but today's question is from John, which said, Hi, I've just started automating my Mac using Automators. How good is it? Um, and editorial note, I'd say it's pretty good. It's, it's a good place to start. And uh, uh, John says, I have now begun some email automations because I regularly send the same email to a number of staff and other contacts. It's currently triggered by a calendar event and then runs mail and a pre-formulated email. I think that works fine. Well, John, I'm really, really glad to hear that that is working great for you because the calendar trigger is one of the best ways of triggering an automator uh, automation, in my opinion. Um, John continues, however, I am wondering if anyone knows a way to get Automator to find an email from a particular contact so that then I can open the most recent email from that contact as a reference for the email I am sending in case I need to add more personalized content to it. Um, and David, this is one that's had you and me scratching our heads a little bit because Automator is pretty good, but I don't necessarily think it's the right tool uh, for for this particular problem. Yeah, because let's just and let's go to his first question. You know, how good is Automator? It's good at what it does, but as a very limited tool set, I think the underlying problem is the inability to really address variables. Like, yeah. like if you're sending an email through Automator, you can't have it fill in the name of the recipient at the time. It has to be a set person for that automation. Something that yeah. shortcuts kind of fixed. If only they had given Sal the resources and the uh, the love that they gave workflow slash um, uh, shortcuts. You know, but it, yeah, 
the the problems he's hitting are problems are not going to be solvable with automator because of those limitations. But I suspect yes. you have some ideas. Well, I do have some ideas. So um, the the great thing about mail is whenever you hover over a contact. So I've got an, an email to David Sparks here. Um, and this is an email that I am in the process of writing. So this is just like something that would have been opened by Automator. There's a little down arrow by David Sparks. And then right at the bottom of that, there is search for David Sparks. And this pops open the the mail window behind the, the currently editing email window. And it's searching for all email from you. Um, now, this this isn't automated, um, which is unfortunate, but it does mean that every time you, you're processing an email, you do that, and then you know that the mail window has got that, you know, for for the right person. Now, I am 100% certain that with the right Google Foo, you could find an Apple script that will do this for you and assign it to say, um, and either you could use fast scripts, they, they've sponsored the show before, they would be a great way to do this, to assign a keyboard shortcut to it, or you could, um, you know, paste it into an automator action um, uh, as well um, for that. But I think the problem that you're going to find then is that for every email that you've got open, you've also got a mail window, and those are not necessarily going to match up. Because windows, sometimes they just move in funny ways. So if you're going through processing, say, 10 emails, um, and it starts with David Sparks. Uh, and so you've got David Sparks on both sides and you look at that. Okay, so you close that window, but then you've forgotten to close the mail window on the right. And then you're working on an email to Stephen Hackett. Ooh, that, that's something that might go wrong. Um, and so you, I think this is probably going to, actually in this case, manual is going to be the best way of doing that. Um, but, uh, you know, a, a, one of our listeners might have a suggestion and this is actually a post in the forums. So I'm going to put uh, a link to that in the show notes. So if anybody has a good solution for John, uh, then I would also love to hear that. Um, but I did feel that it fitted the, uh, the topic today because we did end up in email quite well. Another option for John, this is a much, you know, hacky sparky solution. If you've got an iPhone or an iPad, you could easily create a shortcut that would prompt you to search for emails by a specific name, or you could do this in Apple mail, but with shortcuts, you could make a choose from list shortcut. Like if this is a group of employees or coworkers, and let's say it's a group of 10 people, you're always going to the same 10. You could have a choose from menu shortcut where you pick the name and it goes and searches for all the recent email that is from that name because you have the variables in shortcuts that you don't have in automator. And like if you had an iPad sitting next to your computer, you could just run the shortcut and have it as a reference off your iPad screen. I, I realize that there's a lot of problems with that. You know, you're not getting the text on the same system, although you could move that over with some of the ways we talked about today. Um, but, you know, that would be also a quick way. If you're just checking for reference on a person, you could put a shortcut together that, that somewhat automates that. Yeah. Um, the, the only thing I'll say here is usually uh, our, our default Mac recommendation for automating stuff would be Keyboard Maestro. However, in this particular case, Keyboard Maestro can't do this. Um, and Keyboard Maestro doesn't have as many options available to it as Automator does. It's only got two, uh, two macros um, or two actions, whereas Automator has several. So if you need to upgrade from Automator, you are going to be looking at AppleScript pretty much. Um, and, and that is going to be, you know, your process. Um, now you could probably, uh, use Keyboard Maestro's click it image 
to to uh, find the drop down arrow next to the the person in the to field and and click that and then and then click uh, search for person. Um, but I think that's going to be a pretty hacky way of doing it. So I would recommend sticking to it manually unless you can find an Apple script that solves the problem. I'll put a link in the show notes. I made an Apple script for Apple Mail that uh, that grabs the name of the person in the to field and then yeah. creates the salutation. But you don't need the second part. But if you're doing a search, grabbing the name from the to field could be helpful. So feel free to hack at that. Actually, grabbing the email from the to field might yeah help because the the search that it's doing is specifically uh it's it, if you were to type it it would be from colon email yeah um and um and then and then when you press return then it does some magic to change that into um like a, a little tag thing yeah, uh, where you can yeah. change from to to or entire message and yeah. then if i double click it then it, it 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 it's actually showing me the name but that's because you're in my contacts um though i would hope if you're sending people email then uh they're in your contacts. Yeah, Apple Mail, it's so often, there's so many things about it to like as an automator that it's addressable by Apple Script, but it's so wonky. I mean, just like I was writing an Apple Script where I wanted to get the two field and I needed to make it plural. I mean, it's just like weird, weird stuff. Yeah. Like whoever was like making the Apple Script commands that day had a bad day or maybe it was drinking. I'm not sure what happened there because mm-hmm. nothing is consistent, but you've, you've really got to kind of dig into the code to figure that out. Yeah. Well, David, I think it's time to talk about some problems that we've been solving recently, because I don't know if you've looked in the relay Slack recently and the messages that we've got between each other, uh, but in case you hadn't noticed, there's a third person in our uh, one-to-one message. Yeah. Who's this integromat that keeps messaging me, Rose? Well, it's messaging me too. So one of the things that I wanted to solve is whenever I have an idea for an automated show, um, I feel like, you know, I should be sharing that with you. Um, but I should be sharing that with you in an appropriate manner, uh, which means that I, I should share it through Slack. Um, you know, obviously I could message you or I could email you about it, but I figured Slack is a good place for Relay FM business. Sure. Um, because, you know, we have a Relay FM Slack. Um, and unfortunately, Slack on iOS, not super automatable, but we have an Airtable for um, all of our um, for our show planning, basically. And, and we have tables for guests. We have tables for shows. We have uh, host overviews. We've got episodes and, and stuff like that. We've even got some accounting things in there. But the primary table that we use is show planning. Um, and there's a couple of fields that I, I wanted to make sure were filled out um, every time um, I, I posted this, which is, number one, I wanted the status to be set to for space idea because... Um, a single select, um, I find the the best way to make sure that the order of this stays consistent so that everything is where you would hope it to be uh, is to, you know, actually prepend this with um, with numbers. So we've got planning, scheduled, um, recorded, um, idea, and then uh, released is right at the bottom because most of the time we don't need to necessarily look at release there. Um and so I wanted to make sure that the title and and the the um the the status were set correctly. And I also wanted to be able to add notes. And then I wanted to be able to ping you and go, hey, there's there's a new idea. Um and of course you'll be able to use this as well. I've just been trialing out to set it up. But what I did um was I can put things in Airtable with shortcuts using the get contents of URL. But that means that I, I'm putting it in in Airtable. Um and that 
is using my API key and everything else. And then I still have to fire something off to, to ping you through Slack. Now, Slack does have an API and you can get API keys for it depending on how people have set up the bases. But Integromat has um, API integration, uh, a Slack API. Um, and so it can talk to Slack for you, which means I didn't have to figure out any of that. So I created a three-step scenario in Integromat. First of all, uh, it's got a webhook. So I ping the webhook and I send it the, the idea and a note. The note could be empty. That's fine. Um, and then it takes that. It creates an Airtable record using the, the idea, the note, um, and it puts in for space idea in the status every single time. Um, and then it posts in our Slack to say, hey, uh, there is a, a new show idea. Um, and then it just puts the name of the idea. Now, I would like to to get um, uh, to add a, a link to our Airtable view so that you can easily see that. Um, but um, I'll, I'll figure that out at some point. Um, but I just thought that that would be a pretty cool way of making sure that things always end up in there in a in a nice way so that you you know about it. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it seemed like a, a fun exercise in automation at the very least. It feels like Integromat just continues to get traction with cloud automation. <laughs> well, what I like about it is it does work really well for me. Um, so, you know, it, it might not work really well for everyone, but I love that visual element to it. Um, where if you if you've got a split, then you can see it split, um, and you don't necessarily see a lot of detail about each step until you click into it. Um, but then then you know you have everything. Um, and in some ways, it's more powerful than Zapier. In other ways, Zapier is more powerful than Integromat. Um, so I I feel like you know everybody should have a look at both if they're looking for an online web automation service. It is cheaper, which has a lot in its favor. Yeah, it really is interesting because we did a show on on cloud-based automation status like about four months ago. And the what we said then is still true. All of these players have got different like areas of focus. You know, IFTTT, Zapier, Integromat. And I guess if you want to try this out, you just got to really take a look at each tool and see what problems you're trying to solve. And yeah. I still I still wouldn't recommend making them to Rube Goldberg because you're adding the the internet to the mix on every step for these yes. these solutions and it, you know it could be no fault of integromat but something may not work because the service you're connecting to is having issues and uh, and then you get frustrated yeah yeah that, and that's the thing you you have to figure out you know where the balance lies for you um and for me i decided that in this particular case um uh, what i like about this is i can trigger it from a shortcut i can trigger it from drafts um, I can trigger it from um, airmail through shortcuts um, and um, and all sorts of things. So I, I've got it set up so that then I don't have to create hundreds of, of almost identical automations on my side. And it means that if we ever change something and add an extra status or remove a status, um, then um, I can easily renumber that step. And I do that once. And then all of the automations have been updated, which works really nicely. Well, I'll tell you what I've been having fun automating lately is, you know, uh, the word Obsidian had come up way too many times in today's show. But, I, you know, I as I continue to dig in with it as kind of my PKM solution, the addition of their end-to-end -end encryption made it possible for me to use the app the way I wanted to use it. So, uh, but it's an Electron app, you know, <laughs> and it's, as we record, it's on the Mac only, but their uh, mobile apps are very, very shortly coming. But, 
wanting to automate an Electron app has got its own unique set of challenges. Um, a lot of the stuff I would typically do in Keyboard Maestro doesn't work with an Electron app. Um, even stuff like, you know, dictation tools often break with Electron apps. So um, I've had a good time and a challenge kind of figuring out what I can and cannot automate with it. Uh, built into the app, it has a, its own templating system with date strings and title strings. So you can actually do quite a bit of automation right with the built-in tools, which is cool. I appreciate the developers spending the time to do that. And it allows for third-party plugins and some of those uh, create even more automation tools. But when it comes to third-party plugins and an Electron app, I feel like each one you add is exponentially adding uh, a problem, you know, as you start stacking third-party um, additions onto this Electron app, at some point you're going to break it, you know, it's just a question mm -hmm. of time. Um, one of the things I've been doing, which is just really Automators 101, but it has a very robust keyboard shortcut system. And since this is at this point, at least a Mac only app, I have mapped out an entire panel of Stream Deck um, to this app. So when I load this app, you can have it, you know, Stream Deck has an option to automatically load a panel based on which app you're running. A lot yep. of the more obscure keyboard shortcut stuff that I don't seem to be able to remember, I've just added buttons to my Stream Deck for it. Another way that I found it very easy to um, to work with this is is doing like text replacement stuff like text expander or whatnot. And also, as I talked about during the show today, creating custom uh, actions and drafts where I can assemble text and drafts to to put into the app. And I've actually found that I'm I'm doing a pretty good job of getting this app in shape for an automator and and getting more out of it and not having to, you know, spend a bunch of time typing. Um, when I have a new client matter, for instance, it lays everything out I need just how I need it. I don't have to type that ever again. And it's more accurate because it's automatically entered. And I'm, you know, like anybody who listens to the show, it gives me a little bit of pleasure when I can take an app and kind of take the reins of it using automation tools. Yeah, I really like that. And I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that you can automatically change which Stream Deck profile for the app that you're in. Um, because I find sometimes this is exactly what I need and sometimes this is not what I need. So I've actually dedicated the the bottom corner, uh, bottom right-hand corner of my Stream Deck um, on every single profile pretty much to a uh, return to my default profile um, uh, button uh, because you can, you can change profiles, which means that when I open OmniFocus, I get my OmniFocus profile. Um, and, and things like that, which really helps. Um, but then if I, if I need my regular one, because say I'm in OmniFocus, but now I'm going to record automators. So I need my podcasting profile that I can just bounce back to my, to my, uh, to my default one. And then from there, it's, it's essentially an index of, um, of my stream deck profile. So I can easily go back to, to whatever it is I need to do. So then I can, you know, it's two buttons to get me into podcasting mode. Um, and that's great. Bottom left corner or bottom right corner? Uh, bottom right corner. Ah, is, uh, so I was going to say, we're on the same page, except I'm on the bottom left corner. And I, I have uh, three buttons there, Mr. Contextual. I should probably change it because the bottom left is the most inaccessible one, so I'm less likely to press that accidentally. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'll have to see. I'm also loving the fact that uh, Stream Deck has got so many integrations and apps. Like, I, I recently installed uh, Ecamm Live for iOS today, so I can share my screen. Um, and uh, I, I love the fact that there, there, are, there are actions for this, so I have my different profiles. Uh, so I can share iPad versus iPhone versus me. So. 
I like the Stream Deck so much. I know that you know it's it's an expense, and there are apps out there where you can like turn an, an iPad screen into some of these features. But there's just something to be said to have a, a a panel of physical buttons next to your Mac, like a little control panel. Mm-hmm. And like you, Definitely. you know, Mister Contextual Computing, I have three buttons, and one is the personal space, one is the Mac Sparky space, and one is the legal space. So. Um, even though I have it jumping to app panels for most of the big apps I work in, like another one that this is great for is Microsoft Word because there's a whole bunch of weird stuff you can do with Word, like sharing drafts as PDF and things that require a lot of clicks to get to and they don't even have shortcuts. Um, I've been able to map using Keyboard Maestro and uh, choose from menu item in Keyboard Maestro. That's like a very simple command in Keyboard Maestro, but you can go many layers deep in submenus and get features uh, added to a Keyboard Maestro script. And then there is a third-party plugin for the Stream Deck called KM Link. I want to say TJ turned me onto this, but I'm not sure who turned me onto it. But the um, but the thing I like about that over the native Keyboard Maestro integration is that. You can, once you put a KM link uh, script on your stream deck, you can move it around. You know, you can drag it to different places on the stream deck and the stream deck app and not have to remap it. Because with the built-in one, you have to map it to a particular button. And I find that really useful to kind of get the layout the way I want. But either way, um, anytime I want, those three buttons are at the bottom of literally every screen on my uh, stream deck. So I think the Stream Deck is the new drinking game for automators. Well, uh, let's see how frequently it comes up, David. I'm I'm thinking more of a dark chocolate game myself. Uh, any excuse for dark okay. chocolate, right? Honestly, I'm right with you, sister. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I recently got some dark chocolate Kit Kats, so I, I need to automate adding those to my, my shopping list. I'm considering uh, uh, when I open the cupboard that contains the chocolate, um, just NFC stickers um, on, on a piece of paper behind which, uh, and that'll be behind another piece of paper which has um, logos of different chocolate bars on, so I can just tap it and it automatically adds those ones to my shopping list. Whenever I start running out, I can just tap it. I was thinking you'd be like a fancy Toblerone person. I'm just, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, thinking. I like Toblerone, don't get me wrong. But I mean, something, sometimes you just, like a dark chocolate Kit Kat just hits the spot. Or maybe a twirl, very occasionally in Mars Bar. Yeah. Anyway. Right. Um, a lot of times in the U.S., um, uh, there's a company called Dove, and they make these dark chocolate, like they'll have, you know, <laughs> Christmas. Sorry. I'm, I'm laughing, David, because American chocolate, for one. And secondly, over here, Dove is a company that makes soap. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> but they make good ones here. And I know every time I bring up the to- topic of chocolate, you just you just put up with me, barely. But they make little, um, like, ones at, like, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas and, you know, Valentine's Day. Anyway, the other day I was in the closet where we keep pots and pans, you know, like the utility closet. And I found that my wife has a secret stash of dark chocolate (gasps) in there. And she doesn't think I know about it. So I'm taking them, but I'm only taking, I'm taking them at a level that I feel like she won't realize that, you know, it's disappearing a little faster than she thought. Okay, David, can I, can I just say right now for the sake of your marriage, Amazon subscribe and save. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that is an automation that that might prevent you from being murdered. Oh, uh, maybe um, I should. And if you're get not, my, I told you so. I should get my own secret stash and put it somewhere. But I can't keep any secrets from that yes. lady. She would she would find my secret stash no matter where I put it. I, I'm not suggesting that you don't tell her about your secret stash. <laughs> I, I'm just suggesting that you, you you make sure that that's replenished because if she wants chocolate and you've eaten it. We've got a dead David Sparks, yeah, and I need to find trouble. a new co-host. Got trouble, that's for sure. This is going to be work. <laughs> so. Well, anyway, maybe that's a future automation, how to automatically hide your chocolate. Um, either way, gang, <laughs> uh, we are the automators. You can find us over at relay.fm slash automators. You can find the excellent forums at talk.automators.fm. This episode of Automators was brought to you by SyncUp, a OneDrive podcast, Text Expander from Smile, and Delete Me. We'll be back in two weeks with another show for you. Goodbye, everyone.